When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But Laurie Horish has been good enough to join me, ESPN NFL analyst, because it is down to the pointy end of the season now in the NFL. The playoff teams have been decided over the last couple of days, and uh, it's hard to know right now who's going to win the whole damn thing when it comes to the Super Bowl, which you will hear on SEN. Laurie, great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining me again. Great to be joining you, and uh, we'll try and sort out just who's going to make their way through this mad dash of wildcard weekend. So l- let me start with who you think is the favourite. Is it the 49ers, or is there someone else you think that is the favourite to win the whole thing right now? Well, anytime you're out there talking about any sport um, and making predictions, especially going into a season, you run the risk of looking a little silly at the end of it, but I'm lucky enough to, be able to say that what I said going into week one is still standing pretty strong. And I've got the 49ers and the, the Baltimore Ravens meeting in the Super Bowl. It's what I felt coming into the season. I loved the way those rosters were wow. together. Obviously, great coaching staffs. I loved what Baltimore had done, adding Todd Monken as their offensive coordinator, which is about as big a change as you can get from what they were running before. It used to be, you remember as Lamar Jackson came into league, it was Greg Roman running really run-heavy stuff, quarterback run running back heavy, not an expansive passing game, and really not leaning into some of the talent, underrated talent that Lamar Jackson had as a passer. Todd Monken's very different, um, the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, and they've obviously had much more of an expansive aerial attack this season. It's not only got Lamar Jackson, the front-running contender status as the MVP, and, and the Baltimore Ravens en route to what I think, yeah, definitely en route to a Super Bowl run and the top seed in the AFC, but... It's also got Todd Monken looks as a, as a head coaching candidate um, after just one year in the role with Baltimore. Um, as you know, we're on where it is Black Monday in the NFL now. You're seeing coaches um, and, and general managers get their marching orders. And Monken's name has come up at a few franchises that are, are looking into what he's done, not just at his time in Baltimore, uh, but what he's done previously at, at college and the NFL ranks. Um, and a very interesting offensive mind on a lot of people's shortlists. Some massive matchups as well, week one. Um, Miami and Kansas City, arguably the biggest, but you can tell me there's one biggest in your mind. But, uh, I mean, that's a huge... One of those two teams is, 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 go, is out, which is going to surprise a few. Yeah, and two teams that I think for Miami, the story has just been injuries on defense. I think where they were about a month ago, once Jalen Ramsey got back into the team and they had a tandem, the cornerback spot... Uh, up front, they had the likes of Jalen Phillips to pair with Christian Wilkins. And then on the other side, you had Bradley Chubb really coming into the form that we'd known from him at times um, during his tenure with the Denver Broncos. And, you know, Phillips has been injured and uh, for the season with a torn Achilles. And Bradley Chubb is out for the season. And and you have the, the, the back end, the secondary start to get beat up a bit. And it's just... And then on the offensive side of things, they were without uh, both Jalen Waddell and Raheem Mostert in that... 
um, regular season finale against the Bills, and it, it's made them less balanced. It's made them less potent on each side of the ball as a team. And then on offense, we saw there was a lack of explosion there against the Buffalo Bills team in a really entertaining game that had splash plays from both offenses and defenses um, and, and really was up and down and some missed opportunities here and there um, that I think Miami would like to have back in that contest. But it's, it's tough to see Miami because I think they really were positioned a month ago, but so much um, has been hindered on the defensive side of the ball. And then to Kansas City, who would have thought when you look at these two teams, if we said, oh, we're getting these guys in, in week one of the playoffs, um, you would have thought this was going to be offensive fireworks from what we know to Kansas City under the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes era. But for Kansas City, this might be a game where the projected snowstorm that's going to surround this contest feeds into what wow. they want to do. Maybe reduce the ball down defensive contest. Their defense has certainly taken a step up while there's been frustrations on offense. Maybe that suits the type of contest Kansas City want to turn this into. Buffalo are flying at the moment, even though they weren't early. Yeah, it was funny with Buffalo because you do your power rankings through the season and in the last couple of weeks with what was happening underneath the 49ers and Baltimore Ravens was so so many teams giving you confidence one week and sapping it the next. Sitting there with Buffalo at three in the power rankings, even though there was a massive chance going into the final week of the season that they might not actually make the postseason. But yeah, things are starting to hit right now. They're a team that themselves had some massive injury losses throughout the season, but they're starting to get... Um, we're starting to see that defense play at a higher level. Some of the additions they've made, uh, Russell Douglas, who came in a little bit banged up right now, but he's helped on the back end. Definitely a defense that is playing that smart, constraining type of de- uh, defensive scheme that we've come to expect um, under Sean McDermott there uh, in Buffalo. And then offensively, Josh Allen. Look, there's moments of madness. There's moments of interceptions where you just go, oh, no, it's bad, Josh, again. But his ability to create play through the air and his ability as a runner I mean, he truly, you have Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator, much respected from Miami. Refer to him as a souped-up version of, of John Elway. Anytime you're talking about that type of physical prospect. Mm-hmm. And then up against Pittsburgh, look, they're going to be heavily backed. Uh, they are very short-priced favourites. In fact, looking at, at the odds as they are right now, they are the shortest-priced favourite um, for this, this weekend's football. And with Pittsburgh without TJ Watt, that's a big loss. And at home, Buffalo, in front of their raucous fans, and running on an absolute hot streak, streaking from 6-6 six and six to this two-seed. Uh, it's understanding why the markets and the punters have really leaned into this team getting out of wildcard weekend and, and perhaps posing the biggest threat uh, to cause a boil over in the AFC and give Baltimore some serious trouble. Depending on which week you listen to the experts, sometimes we're told, well, the Cowboys can win it, especially <laughs> given how good they've been at home. And other weeks we hear, oh, Cowboys can't win it. Where are the Dallas Cowboys at? Well, the most important thing the Dallas Cowboys are at, they're at home. They are six, they have a 16-0 yeah. run going at home right now, 8-0 on the season, undefeated in the regular season um, in, in on their home stretch. And that's what that big permutation from the Detroit um, game a week ago. We don't need to dive back into the refereeing. Uh, mechanics that went wrong there, um, but Dallas beating Detroit, putting themselves in position to win the division, get the two seed, and if they can beat Green Bay, host another our playoff game in week two, but there's a big if. Green Bay. Dallas Cowboys fans out there don't need to be reminded of the pain that the Green Bay Packers have imparted upon them over the, over the past decades. It's not just the Des Cordic game up in Lambeau. In their own house, uh, there was 2016, the rookie year. Dallas, under Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, stormed to the number one seed, host Aaron Rodgers. It's a back-and-forth game. Dak and Des Bryant stormed them back uh, into, into the contest after falling down early late. And Jared Cook 
third and 19 reception from Aaron Rodgers to put Mason Crosby in position uh, to kick a game-winning field goal and sink Dallas in Dallas, uh, despite Dallas holding that home advantage in the top seed uh, in that matchup. And then uh, it wasn't long after that we saw Aaron Rodgers back in that stadium, not in the playoffs this time, but the Cowboys take a lead with 73 seconds left. Cowboys fans cheering, Packers fans going, hold on, 73 seconds for Aaron Rodgers, far too much time on the clock, march down the field, touchdown to Devontae Adams in the corner over Jordan Lewis, who's still playing on the Cowboys. So there's plenty of heartache there uh, for the Cowboys when it comes to Green Bay. Obviously, this isn't Aaron Rodgers. This is Jordan Love. Mike McCarthy now coaching against his former team, but let's take some time to talk about Jordan Love. Over the past month, this guy's playing MVP tier football. He's not going to be the MVP. He shouldn't be. That should be Lamar Jackson. But the quality of football, the aggression, his grace under pressure, how well he handles heat, he doesn't get deterred, he's aggressive, eyes stay downfield, and that young receiving core is growing and growing. You know, you have first and second year players receiver, playing first and second year players at the receiver spot, you're going to have some execution errors, you're going to have some mental lapses, but those have reduced as the season gone on, has gone on, and they pose a very interesting matchup for a Cowboys team that at the defensive secondary has been a little leakier than they'd like to admit. Uh, over the past month or two. And about six weeks ago, the Eagles were the tip for many people. They were flying, and uh, they're certainly not flying lately. Well, this is why we like to talk about more than just the box score and more than just the results, because whilst the Eagles were 10-1, and one, and they've become the first NFL team to go from 10-1 and one to not reach 12 wins on a season, despite having 17 games to do so, this is why we go beneath the results, because the play at that time... Early in the season, we're saying, hey, the Eagles aren't hitting their straps, but they're finding a way to win. Senior veteran leadership, they've got Super Bowl caliber pedigree, they know how to get victories, and that's all well and good. But the more you get into a season when a team is not reaching the ceiling you expect from their roster, we're not on, no longer talking about the potential that's coming. We're now talking about a new reality. And those lackluster performances, even though they were coming in victories, have now come home to roost in terms of five losses out of the last six games. The only victory against a New York Giants team that, a fortnight after narrowly losing to the Eagles, closed the regular season with a very thumping victory. Look, the Eagles need some sort of answers. They need to unlock some explosive plays through the air. They need to not get away from a ground game that can still be so dominant and effective. And defensively, it is such a problem on the back end. The defensive secondary has suffered a drop-off in form from some veteran players, some injuries as well. They're just a struggle to keep up. And look, against a Buccaneers team, you question when you think you've got Mike Evans, big number 13, perennial 1,000, you know, a decade of 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and Chris Godwin, who's going to match up from the Eagles secondary? Are they going to have to trust their pass rush to try and get home and limit the opportunities? Because if Baker Mayfield can stand there and find his and look downfield and find his wide receiving weapons, the, the Philadelphia Eagles secondary just purely does not have the man-up talent uh, to shut them down. And you like Lamar Jackson ahead of... Uh, well, Brock Purdy's had a good season, but ahead of him for the MVP? I do. I think Lamar Jackson has been... even be, No, he didn't have gaudy counting stats during much of the season. He did close the regular season, his regular season nicely before getting week 18 off. What he is doing... Yes, he leads, you know, he leads rushing statistics for, for quarterbacks. That's not a surprise. But watch what he does beyond the numbers in the pocket, the way he uses his mobility, his second-phase playability, and, and how he's grown and shown what he is able to do as a passer. I think he's been not only elite this year, but the most consistent, uh, and he's adapted. He's lost different receivers at different times. He lost the two most explosive running backs they have in the backfield, lost uh, tight end Mark Andrews, a star number one target, and yet we've seen Odell Beckham come back into form. We've seen Rashad Bateman coming back into form, and we've seen Zay Flowers, a rookie receiver, really step up and have some huge moments. So, yes, 
Lamar Jackson deservingly the MVP for me, which would make him uh, two-time MVP in his young career. Talking to Laurie Horish, ESPN NFL analyst. Uh, Laurie, I know you've got eyes and I've probably got to let you go to watch this Washington-Michigan college championship game. Can you put it into words how big college footy is for us? College football, it's so unique. The tangible connection that college football fans have with their programs, it's unlike anything else. I think a lot of Australian fans would be stunned, whether you're an American football fan, NFL fan, whatever it is. But to go over to the States or to speak to um, you know Americans over there and how big college football is, that it supersedes the NFL in huge chunks of the country. It, you think about SEC country down in the southeast there and some of the programs and just how massive they are. It is so passionately followed, and look, anybody that gets a chance to go tailgating and go experience what game day is, it truly is something special, but it carries more than that. It carries so much of the talent that you're going to learn about in the NFL going forward. You know, that's what's so exciting when you get to this part of year. Not only do you have national championships on and NFL playoffs, but you're learning about names that in a couple of months' time we're going to be talking about in draft season and that these are going to be the new faces of the franchise, now perhaps your franchise. Uh, so college football, it, is, it truly is something special. Um, it, it, you are lucky enough to get over there and experience it in hand. It's the, the fever that takes over, um, the, the, the energy that takes over on a game day is, is something special. And, and obviously then if you're looking for really strong Australian links, if you think about what Pro Kick Australia has meant to, obviously the NFL, we know the Mitch Wisnowski's of the world, the Michael Dixon's, Lou Headley's of the world. But what we've seen with Pro Kick Australia, having tens upon tens upon dozens of college punters in there every single year, um, how they've transformed so much of special teams across every single conference, uh, all the biggest conferences and programs in the NFL. Um, you know, we, we see, we even see the ties to the AFL and, and AFL lineage names when you're looking at Dustin Fletcher and both of his, his boys over there um, playing for huge programs. It's, it's, a, it's a, a scene and, a, and an arena that Australians have had a unique imprint on and now we're seeing more and more positional players over there as well. It's, it's such a fascinating tier of sport to dive into, to get to know, to understand the pipelines, and, and then on a really local front to see, see Australia's growing presence there as well. And is the atmosphere better at some college games than an NFL game? The coaches get paid more. Some of the coaches don't even go to the NFL because they, they'd rather be part of and get a bigger amount to coach at college. Well, there's a very big wicket that some of these coaches are on, and it's a really different recruiting uh, process. You know, if you're at a massive program that has that pedigree, that your ability to go in and, and, and recruit talent uh, at all sorts of different positions, you're not dealing with salary caps in the same way. It's a different, it's a different market of players, and NIL has come in, name, image, and likeness, and that has obviously changed what's going on in the transfer portal. It, it's a completely different scenario. But, yes, yeah, some colleges, some, some coaches, some of the best football coaches at any any tier of amateur or professional uh, football prefer to stay in the college ranks. But as for whether the atmosphere is better, I think if you went and asked most folks in the United States, I think you get a varied answer, but the height to which college football, the frenzied nature to which you can get 110,000 people um, screaming for their local college, university, whatever you want to call it, uh, probably does supersede uh, most of what you get. Look, a lot of NFL stadiums, you know, when teams dip down, we have seen it. We've seen stories come out about the Washington Commanders in recent years or about Carolina Panthers this year with the, the second market value of some of these tickets. You're probably not seeing that week in, week out at these massive colleges. It is truly something special. And, you know, you, we've seen the videos of at different colleges. At South Carolina, they play Sandstorm, the, the, the massive techno yeah. um, hit from, <laughs> from yesteryear gets a run and you've got 70,000, 80,000 white towels swirling around 
we've seen the the Enter Sandman um, when when Metallica hits. It's it's quite something special. The tradition runs very deep, and it's it's something that I think it, it's great to see how how open and and welcoming it is to just a mass of the student body to get involved, and it, it seemingly creates fans for life. Who's going to win this game? Then uh, we're about to start the fourth quarter, and it looks fairly even at the moment. Uh, there's only a touchdown between them. It's been it, look. Michigan got off to a really strong start. The running game was going off. Um, really great blocking. It looked like Washington didn't have an answer. Just want to see Washington keep their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., upright just a little more. I'd love to see Washington storm back. Obviously, Michigan in the driver's seat, but I think there could be some magic here um, late if just if they can just keep. If Washington can keep the Michigan pass rush at bay and let their quarterback get to work, uh, I think there's some untapped and some missed players that, that could be there to be capitalised on. Great to have you, Laurie. Always good to be able to pick your brain. I, I love the fact that uh, you've been available for us over the course of the season. I'll let you get back to this college championship game so you can watch the last quarter. But thanks again. We'll talk soon. Always a pleasure. Look forward to it.